Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to Secrets from the Saddle All Things Cycling Podcast with your host, Sylvie Dew. And we have the amazing human, woman, coach, mom, Jenny True, back on the podcast to share with us what she's been up to. So if you want to go back to Jenny's first episode with us, it's episode 51, where we get to learn about Jenny and how she um, was in her pro cycling career into coaching a pro woman's team, and then being recruited to work with Team Canada in Milton as the lead track endurance coach for Team Canada. So welcome. Oh, and also, it's her birthday today. So like, Oh my God, thank you so much for being available (laughs) on your birthday to be a guest back on our podcast. Thank you so much, Jenny. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun last time, so I'm really happy to be back. I am so happy to have you back because I've been watching you like and all the, I can't, all the success that the team has been happening. I know it's totally because of you. Well, you know, we, we, we take it where we can get it essentially, but, uh, well, we have a lot of really awesome athletes coming through right now and a really strong, uh, overall development program. And that, that makes everybody's life a little bit easier. So. Yeah, really. Eh? <laughs> it's probably when you got good athletes to work with. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you want to go back and learn more about Jenny, go back to episode 51, check her out her story, but now we're just going to go straight into the coach and what she's been up to since it's been like mm, over a year. So that was 51. We're at episode 274. So there's been a couple yeah, I know there's been a couple episodes in between those, the, her last ones. So, and things have been going like she's been doing, just doing some amazing things. So we're going to talk about the coaching uh, coaching track, taking her athletes to worlds and, and all of the success that's been happening. And also like, you know, just trying to be a mom and, um, you know, creating that balance. Maybe <laughs> like, where do you want to start Jenny? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, one of the really cool things about coming on here last time is it had been a really long time since I'd spoken about me as an athlete and really reflected on that journey. Yeah. Um, it was and quite it, a journey. Like, yeah. guys, you have to go back and listen to it. <laughs> so let's talk about Jenny, the the coach and everything that, you know, you've been putting into these athletes. For sure. It's and amazing. So we actually moved to Milton just over five years ago now. So 
when I came down, I had a three-year-old and a not quite one-year-old. And now mm. they just started grade one and grade three, which is mind-blowing to me. So I don't have babies anymore. Um, <sighs> so that that starts to uh, to change the landscape a little bit. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, through that time, um, I so I first came down as the women's next-gen coach. Yeah, women's next-gen track yeah. coach. Uh, and that was uh, a relatively new position. It had been around for about a year and a half. Um, and Cam Jennings was my predecessor and he went back to Australia. Uh, Cam is now um, a very winning winning uh, para coach for Australia. So very nice. cool. Um, great person, did a good job of getting things kind of rolling. So that, that was mm -hmm. uh, an honor to kind of take over from him. Um, a, a number of the athletes that I was working with then are still kind of coming up through the system, which is kind of fun. Um, get to know people pretty well and, uh, and see, see the ups and the downs. Um, so from there, I took over, uh, more of the development as a whole. We, we lost our men's next gen coach. Uh, through kind of the first six months there was a lot of turnover in the first six months that I was there right. as I got more competent in the role and had a little bit more time ended up looking mm -hmm. more at the development in general I love development there's something pretty special about watching mm -hmm. people going to the track with their big wide eyes and, and saying man this is a cool facility and and I try to remind myself about once a week it is an amazing facility and I'm really lucky to have the job that I do and be able to work with the people that I do, both athletes and staff. We have an amazing team in Milton. So I, yeah, working with the development and really trying to have more of a system for our young athletes. And um, one of the first thing, after the first year that I was there, the women's head coach at the time had, uh, or was it right away? It might've actually just been <clears throat> right after uh, I started. So late uh 2017 uh Craig Griffin who was the women's head coach at the time said we have these great athletes but we just need to spend a little bit more time with them <laughs> so hmm. which yeah interesting it, concept I know <laughs> I, I mean cycling is really interesting right because in for cycling we we do a lot of our a lot of the standard of coaching is internet coaching so it's a um, lot of yeah like training peaks or its equivalent, which mm -hmm. is good, but it's only one part of it. And I think that's, we, we probably spend our entire time at, at the national team level being like, okay, so that is your physical, but we still need to worry about your technical, your tactical, your mental, and there's a huge team element, right? So you have yeah. these five pillars that with most of the coaching that is, that is kind of out there is really mm -hmm. focused on one of those five. And you need that one. Don't get me wrong. Like, oh yeah. The physical talent, if you don't have the work ethic and all of those to give yourself the aerobic base, mm -hmm. to give yourself the speed, then the rest mm -hmm. of it is kind of a moot point, but to remember that there's all these other pieces. And mm -hmm. so that was the, that was the thing is if we can start working with these athletes a little bit younger, then they can start coming up. And so that first year, um, we, we started an advancement camp and there was no money to do it. And I kind of said, well, listen, all of this, all this is going to cost us is track time. So the track time is this. So we'll charge the athletes back to cover the track time. Mm -hmm. I'm here anyways, I'll work with them. 
Um, at the time, uh, Laura Brown, who is now um, leading uh, the 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 men's program, uh, mm -hmm. she she was newly out of being an athlete and was coming in, so she came in to help me and and the two of us ran this camp and we started creating three or four a year where we would have touch points with these athletes. And the really cool oh. thing to me is now four or five years later, the first athletes that we had come through are Dylan Bibbick, who's a junior world champion, Carson Mattern, who's a yeah. junior world champion, Michael Leonard, who is doing incredibly well on the road. And these, these are athletes that just, we saw a lot of, and, and we've seen a bunch of them come through the, uh, the national team system, Matthias Gimet. We saw a bunch of, as he was coming through with that group, uh, Nairi Bearclaw, Lily Plant. These are all athletes that I first saw and got to work with when they were 15, 16 years old. And now they're coming into the national team. Okay. So Jenny, can I just back up? Absolutely. N now this camp, do are they invite is it invitational for these yeah. athletes and if it is how do they get the invitation like how do you scout and find them so initially when we went through um and and it it was the model we used for a number of years it was just mm -hmm. off track nationals so we would take our top riders in the individual pursuit we'd look at riders who had meddled in any of the other events and mm -hmm. kind of rank them accordingly and took the top 10 men and top 10 women and invited them to uh, to these camps. And we ran them right through till last year. And it's one it's been one of my favorite things to do because they, they are, it, it's this ability to instill this winning culture, to instill mm -hmm. this belief that as Canadians, we haven't always had. Um, it's not our default setting to be like, all right, yeah, we're gonna go win. But to have <laughs> this, this group coming through and saying yeah you know what I winning together like yeah, yeah yeah totally um and so it's been really cool to see that grow and develop uh at the same time as building the development system that was sitting underneath our olympians last mm -hmm. summer building out yeah plans so that we could qualify for world championships so one of the things with cycling is that we have a very complex um qualification system for worlds mm -hmm. and then after worlds we have a very complex uh, qualification system for the olympics that actually starts next year so it's understanding these yes yeah uh, olympics are like when it's 2024 20, yeah 2024 yeah. in paris and when we head over to worlds in three weeks we're actually in the same venue so that'll be the olympic venue oh very cool so yeah it's but it's trying to orchestrate all of these um i mean there's so many events on the track right we have the team on the endurance side only yeah team pursuit the individual pursuit the omnium the madison the scratch race the points race and the elimination race so that's seven races. wow i had no idea there's so many yeah, and all and of those are the olympic they're all in the olympics Oh, no, no. They aren't. so Olympic is just team pursuit, Madison and Omnium. Oh, okay. Um, but so each of those have its own qualification ranking uh, and we're okay, trying okay. to figure out how we get qualified for as many of those spots as possible. We also, in order to go to the world championships, have to field a team <laughs> at the continental championships. We have to field a team 
at the junior world championships and we have to hold an international event. So there, oh. there's a lot of like pieces that, and, and the UCI is trying to essentially grow it, make it, make it fair across, but there, it means that you're like constantly trying to check all these little boxes. And one oh. of our biggest wins this year is we have qualified in everything. We are the um, one of the only countries to be starting everything at the world championships in October. Uh, the only other country that is starting everything is France, and that's because they're the home nation. So it's pretty exciting. Um, that's a huge win for us to be able to. It's the first time it's ever happened. Right. Um, that's a lot of hard work from a lot of athletes and a lot behind the scenes of just trying to calculate those points here, there, and and figure it out, and a little bit of luck. Cause it's not, it's not super straightforward. It, they take <laughs> like, as, long- as long as you have to take care of all of the, the math behind that, like, do yeah. you, like it, it sounds is to me, I'm like, Oh my God, that sounds super complicated. Cause it is, a, it, it's a lot of working pieces, a lot of yeah. cogs in the, in the machine to, oh to pop out, like, okay, you're going to do it because of all yep. these factors that played in your, your, yeah. It's and and holy crap! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much it came up the last time, but I I actually have an, uh, an a background in accounting, so luckily ah, no, I don't think it. you mentioned that. Yeah. So um, <laughs> out of university, I I oh for- yes, maybe you did talk about your 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 schooling, but not yeah. so much. We were just talking about yeah. yeah. It's um, but anyways, so the the numbers and the number crunching, there is a little bit of appeal to me. I like to I like to. Well, kind of- I'm sure you like crunch all the data while you're at it you're like okay yeah there, there's some of it it's it's interesting right like I I I could stare at <laughs> most of the day and be quite happy so <laughs> thank I bet you they're thinking there's lucky stars that they have you on board well we have that. a couple we have a couple of people who like it so Chris Westwood is also really good oh Chris at yeah figuring that that stuff out so it's actually really nice to have t- more than one person kind of staring at it because you're like okay, this is how I interpret it. And then he's like, this is how I interpret it. And you have a third person. Uh, I mean, we have probably another 10 people that look at it. Right. So it's, yeah, um, it's, it's helpful to just have those. I'm, I'm a big believer that the more eyes you have on something, the Mm -hmm. more you make sure that, that it is pretty sound. So, so, okay. Now I know you find your people in your qualifier, like getting to track, but how do kids find their way to the track to actually be come recruited like I'm going like back down to like grassroots like how do you where do these kids come from and are are like yeah are is there only like programs say in Toronto that that field kids to the track because you're so close like yeah because so yeah Yeah. it it, no it's a great question um I think there's no secret that track is pretty niche yeah yeah it's almost like bumping out road you know it's it's kind of taking that that level I don't know everywhere like road is road is it's in one of those funks I I feel yeah because there's a lot of other competing competing cycling styles like gravel mm -hmm. that's coming out well, and, and as a parent, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I do it for a living and I still don't know if you could convince me that I should go send my 
12 year old in four <laughs> years to go ride on the road with a bunch of crazy drivers. So there, yeah. there is a lot of appeal to track. There's a lot of appeal to gravel, a lot of appeal to mountain biking for mm. that reason, unless you tend to like, and, and I think for road, you end up getting kids whose parents ride or they happen to fall into it. Yeah. Um, I got in through like personally through a triathlon club. Um, but it, it is, it is very different. Right. And yeah. so I think the the key at, in Canada right now is that you happen to know somebody who knows about the track. If you were um, with somebody who knows about the track, the chances of you getting in are very high. Um, mm-hmm. the Ottawa Valley has a long history of great track riders, yeah. uh, due to Don Moxley, because Don mm-hmm. was a big believer in the track and he would bring groups of athletes down. And so then you had in Tokyo, you had Vince Eich, Derek G and Ariane Banam, who all yeah. came out of the Ottawa bicycle club under mm-hmm. Don. Yeah. Oh, Don is fabulous. Just, just because of, of that, like, oh, Hey, I know this let's let's develop it this way and there's so you you see these pockets and and cycling in Canada is really dependent on a a small number weather well yeah weather is a big one but a small (laughs) number of individuals um and so if those individuals are track focused you end up like kind of falling into that track place if not it's a little bit harder um down here in in Milton it's 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 huge to have the facility that we have, the facility that's over the winter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that as Canadians, we we are super dialed to that VO2 energy system. So anything mm-hmm. that's running kind of two and a half minutes through 12 minutes, we are super dialed at that. You look at like hockey develops it, soccer develops it. Um, and that's like most oh. kids going to those sports as kids, like, if, if you're going to be athletic, mm-hmm. you've got some kind of basketball exposure to that on off. And so we, ha- we tend to have a group of athletes that don't necessarily have the lifetime miles, but they're very good at this VO2 system. They're very good at this. Mm. Yeah, because Kelsey Mitchell, she came from soccer Absolutely. background. Yep. That's Absolutely. a great example. And, yeah. and I mean, it's especially on the women's side, you end up with a lot of later transfer athletes that just mm-hmm. are very athletic. And it's it's different than if you grow up in Switzerland and you spend your weekends mountain hiking with your parents, right? Like they, yeah. it's not that same level of just outdoorsy aerobic activity in Canada. We don't have as much of it. We you still find those athletes for sure. Yeah but it's not the culture. So we're, we're way more like, let's, let's go hard. Let's go fast. Let's go short. Right. That, that, that's kind of <laughs> just where our nature is. And mm-hmm. so, um, interestingly enough, I think if I was to take a group, uh, what I would suggest if you had a group of kind of 12 to 15 year olds would be to do track racing in the winter where it's cold outside, you don't want to go outside. So you're doing that really hard, fast intensity, learning racecraft in the winter. Yeah. Obviously a lot easier to do down here than it would be in somewhere like Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we got Bromont quickly yeah. Yeah, coming up, which is yeah. going to be a game changer. Huge. Yeah, huge. And and so you spend the winter really honing racecraft, honing the time on the track. And then mm-hmm. with those kids in the summer, go and do long miles, do your gravel rides, do your mountain bike rides, do your, 
all of the stuff that just is fun yeah. and get to that aerobic base um, in the mm. summer months where it's fun. So you're not trying to get kids to do aerobic base when it's minus 30 outside, right? Like it's, or on the trainer. Like yeah. Some things to me that I just like, I don't know. And, and you see a lot of crossover from cross-country skiing. It's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speed skating, things like that. So um, I don't even remember where we started. Oh, how do kids <laughs> do it? I'm like, yeah. mm-hmm. So, how do you find the kids before like recruit the kids to get to the track because yeah. you know Don's not around anymore yeah. um there's like the OBC does have a um a couple new coaches and I think that's like the only thing around yeah in and, Ottawa and that's a true like that's the unfortunate the truth. that there's mm-hmm. very there's very small pockets that rely on one or two mainly volunteers to get things rolling mm-hmm. and and so when something happens to those volunteers like don who's like yep it's time <laughs> yeah. for me to retire yeah <laughs> there's these voids that are left in the canadian yeah. landscape um so i i and, and and i do believe that one of the biggest fallacies we have in how we approach things in canada is that we have a really strong club network because we don't we have one or two exceptional volunteers mm. who or, I mean, they might be paid, but most of them are like paid on stipends. So they're effectively volunteers. And, uh, and so if we really want to keep pushing this, we do need to professionalize the sport or the profession of coaching um, and cycling yeah. coaching, and not, not just by training peaks, like for kids, they don't need to, they don't need to be getting their training off a website. Zwift. <laughs> Yeah, they need to be going and seeing people face to face. Yeah. And and getting that. And and especially for the women, the mm-hmm. the component is so huge when you're when you're a teenager that if we don't have these these clubs and these networks where people can go and spend time with each other. And I, I think I think the pandemic really highlighted it. We're social creatures. And if if we want if we want to retain people and and the thing and the truth about aerobic sport is that a lot of it's just time in. And if you don't put the time in, it's pretty difficult to move forward. Uh, yeah. And so it's, it, the, more, the more clubs that we can build, the more we can support those coaches into this being something that they can actually do as a profession, the, yeah. the, the more we're gonna keep developing athletes. And right now, a lot <clears> of it is right time, right place, right time. and. And one of the big things that have in common that Dylan Carson and Michael have in common is that they live within a stone's throw of the velodrome. So I think that it's a pretty vibrant community here in Milton. We have the NCIM that does all the youth and community programming. They do a great job. I'm a little biased because my husband runs it. Um, <laughs> but just a he, little. <laughs> yeah, and he's doing a great job. And then the OCA it does a great job with their athletes. And so it's very, uh, and, and there's a lot of coordination between the NCIM and Ontario and Cycling Canada so that we have a pretty, pretty smooth pathway for those athletes. And that makes a really big difference. So is that, that's something that you created though, because once you got in there, you said, once you got in and then you were there for a couple months, you're like, okay, we, like you said, you started looking at the overall development of 
like creating that pathway, because that is so important, like just understanding like the steps as an athlete or as a parent to get your child to the certain level and to where to find it. And, and all these things are very confusing, even like trying to become a coach as myself was extremely confusing as to what we had to do, where we had to go, what, even now what you have to take to stay at your, your level. Like I got mine level three performance coaching, but that was like 10 years ago, no longer. And now it's changed, right? Like I, I like ABCD, like all these things like about 20 years ago when I started and now it's kind of changed. Like, it's kind of like a base level. I am like, see, I can't even, I don't even understand it now. I'm just like, just tell me what I need to do to keep my certification, right? You need to take these courses, get this amount of points. I'm like, really? You know, so I'm like all over the place. They're only in French and I'm like, fuck, what the hell, you know, (laughs) or they're online. I, I, well, cause I did my comp dev out of Ottawa and I also, yeah, but that was, was back in like 2000. It was a little bit later. Yeah. It was early 20, 2011, 2012, but it yeah. was very complicated. And I actually, um, <laughs> through the, it was through the coaching association of Ontario because I had, mm-hmm. uh, cycling or, uh, women in coaching Canada games apprentice grant. So they were very invested in me getting those. And so I ended up actually auditing courses at the university of Ottawa because they weren't available in Ottawa, which is, again, is that challenge of being in Ottawa where they're like, you're Ontario. We're like, well, you're not, yeah, kind of, we're kind of Ontario. Like, I mean, yes, we are Ontario, but we're very far away. Everything in Toronto is very far away. And yeah, now that right. I live in Toronto, I'm like, yeah, Ottawa is very far away. I'm, I got everything I need right here. I'm not sure I need to move. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think for me, it was a big, big thing to make it more direct for that pathway. Yeah. As I said, I, I mean, it, it does make it easier when you have three entities that are super invested in that and a lot of communication between Chris um, Dave Jack as the provincial team coach and Mike Sirachi, who's the, um, I think, I think his title is high performance manager for Ontario cycling. So, uh, and the four of us work together really well and, and mm-hmm. that made it a lot easier and kind of, you can feel the pieces as they're, they're coming, like, what are your strengths? What are your strengths? How do we align this together? And, and so it's been fun to see athletes come through and get to celebrate that with the people behind the scenes. Um, I think the truth is the farther removed they are, the people that the athletes don't see, they don't always get the get the kudos that they deserve. Um, right. And I, I, think I think that makes a big difference. Yeah. And having excellent people in those roles and and Ontario has been doing really great things. And I think Mike Sirachi is phenomenal at what he does. So it's been pretty cool. And I'm, I'm really happy. I get to work with these people and, and they motivate me to be better. And they, they pick me up when, when things are not so great. So uh, really a great community here. And I think that's part of what the athletes feel too, is they feel supported and and excited to be able to move forward. Yeah. So then 
like back to having an athlete, like as a parent to -hmm. try and move them forward is, are there recruitment times when you invite, like you open it up or do you go through, um, is it Royal Bank? So, no. so yeah, there's the RBC, RBC. stuff um, that, I mean, it's not a bad way to go. Um, there's also down here, if you can get down to Milton, they have certification programs that get you onto the track. Oh, okay. Um, like the level one, level two track. Yeah. 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 And a lot of, I, I think the biggest thing is if you're comfortable on the track, if you can get a couple of races under your belt on the track, comfortable on the track. Yeah. <laughs> remember um, the first getting... time you were on the track? I remember the first time I was on the track. Oh my God. <laughs> Mine was in Calgary. So it was a uh, concrete oh. and I could ride my mom's 1982 road bike. So it's a little different. <laughs> I was in the um, forest, forest city. Oh, Belgium. that's very different. Very, very different. I know. I don't think I've actually ever ridden that track. So yeah. uh, I've been there once or twice, but I haven't actually ridden it. Um, yeah, so part of it is getting, getting that comfort and being able to be, just spend the time. And as their certification programs are really good for that, Mm -hmm. being able to get down and do an O cup or two, I think is very useful. Or if you can get out and do some racing in Bromont, just get, Mm. get that comfort on there as, as an athlete then most of the training you can do can be at home. Um, I actually don't know where the OBC um, program is now, but in Ottawa, it has been fantastic at, at having just activities for the athletes and, and spending time on your bike. And yeah, there's specific things you can do and there's track specific things. And obviously the most time, more time you spend on the track, I mean, that, that would be what I would say about Dylan and Carson is they were on the track one or two times a week from when they were 13. So you don't have to teach them those track specific skills where we have a bunch of other athletes that are bike racers, but then you bring them onto the track and it's like getting, okay, this is how you start. Okay. Now (laughs) so that you can hold us like all of these things. And and the kids that grow up doing that don't need to do that as much. Mm -hmm. Um, but the touch point doesn't need to be constant. So if you live in Ottawa and you can get there once a month or you can get there once every two months, um, that generally really makes a big difference. I would say the other the other thing that makes a huge difference is being able to ride the rollers smoothly. Don't do oh. all your training on Zwift. It's a great mm-hmm. tool, but it can give you the hunk of chunk of pedal stroke, which doesn't is not rewarded on the track you you want to have a nice smooth pedal stroke and rollers tend to do a better job of that oh they definitely do yeah so So I think some exposure um as of right now you don't actually have to qualify for nationals within cycling so if you can get out and and ride there that's good. Contacting Ontario or Quebec, depending on where you're living, contacting your, your provincial sport organization, they will likely have a track or a, um, well, no, sorry, a track camp at some point over the winter that can help build that. Oh, okay. So that would be, that would be one of my suggestions is contact your provincial sporting organization. Um, because then the other, the other way that we have brought kids into camps 
prior to now is not just results, but also speculation from coaches. So talking to local coaches and saying, hey, is there anybody else that you think could fit this mold? Um, and some, sometimes you, you, you have these, you have athletes who are fantastic bike racers and they learn how to race on the track, but they don't have the physiology or the technique to be a track rider. So yeah. then you come over and they're phenomenal road riders and you see it, um, like it, it is pretty common. So I think, well, again, I'm biased, but I do think that track riding is an important part of any bike racers journey I think it teaches you it gives you all those repetitions on how to win and that's that's huge right yeah you I remember it sorry I go used, ahead. no I used to when I well when I had my team we would go to the track once a year once mm -hmm. a year but just to switch it up instead of like so we do it like in oh. February we go see hang out with Rob Good and um do our level one and so i don't know how many times i've done level one because i just go once a year right <laughs> like, yeah. and it took me forever to feel comfortable to go around somebody especially in there yeah <laughs> because before That's you so know cool. it you're in the corner you're in the corner you're in the corner, you're in the corner. Yeah. no <laughs> like, no like, and and rob good is one of those one of the volunteers that i'm speaking of that have yeah. created a community um and yeah he's doing well with his outdoor racing um yeah. group he's, he's pivotal for the Canadian landscape he's so great yeah. um with bringing kids in and kids who have never seen the track before and getting them excited he's yeah he's a phenomenal human being as well so so let's touch a little bit about the mom and balancing everything out because you're <laughs> you're mentioning that I was like oh well fall must be in the down Susie. you're like no <laughs> like she got your week off and then, <laughs> then you're gonna wrap up or uh, start ramping up for uh, worlds so talk about the mom and and the transition of of everything that you're you've been talking about which i think is absolutely phenomenal i getting shivers over like what you've done there no seriously because i i watch you on like you know on your social media stuff and uh, it's just it's just so amazing to see a woman, you know, moving up and making those changes. Cause I hate to say sometimes that's what organizations need. It's like, you know, just those, those female eyes, I hate to say it, but it's, it's, you know, it's like, no, we need the processes. Like, I don't understand this as a, you know, um, and to go back and start developing that. Uh, so it's just been amazing from, my standpoint watching you knowing your background and but also i'm a mom and you're a mom and i'm like and it's your birthday so how do you keep it all together um, jenny tell us i, <laughs> I, I think that, that that's like it, it is it is that piece where the most important thing in my life is being a mom um mm it's important to ground myself in that every so often. Um, my, I'm very lucky to have an incredibly supportive partner. I think that makes a huge difference. There's no way that I could do what I do if it wasn't for, for Chris. Uh, I think societally it is societally. Job, yeah. <laughs> oh, is that a word? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> we, no, need, no. we need uh, to coin that. <laughs> uh, this job is not set up for moms. There's, oh. there's, 
there's no way. Um, I'm I am lucky in that the organization it has been supportive of that. They're they're aware that um, that my family is the most important thing to me, uh, and if I didn't have that support, they could make my life very challenging. So I do thank everyone at Cycling in Canada for supporting me in that. Uh, it's, it, it is a challenge. And I don't think there's a single parent on the face of this planet, especially uh, moms who won't tell you that the last two and a half years of pandemic have been very, very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, I'd like I, I I'm actually pretty convinced that we're gonna get like some kind of German word because the Germans seem to coin these sorts of words, where we, we <laughs> refer to the beginning the beginning of the pandemic as the glorious time, like the where everything shut down and we got to spend all this time with our families. And yeah, sure, there was like and ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we're all gonna get like sick, and everyone's like, yeah, that's all right. Like we'll just stay home. We'll shut down everything else for and two years. Was- First, I, I would say first three months that that like that beautiful time where I went for two hour walks at lunchtime and my eldest was in kindergarten and they gave us an hour of work a day that we would work through. And then we Ooh. let the kids play and they developed this beautiful relationship. And yeah, so it was this like wonderful time. And then we hit September of that year and we were like, screw it. So the world's still shut down. So you don't get any of the supports of having a world shut down so your village it's toast you don't have a village it's just you and yeah. your partner and your kids but we're also going to start everything else up again so you're going to have all of these pressures and none of the support and have out yeah. and so we did that for four months and it was okay and we kind of like we moved around and then they shut down and put everybody in online school and I just like yeah, that was like pretty close to the end for me. Near the <laughs> end of that year, I was like, so here's the deal, kids. You need to stay in your room. You need, oh. to, you need to have your laptop open. And outside of that, I don't care because I have work I need to do. <laughs> and we'll talk about it later. Um, so so I think there it, it's I'd be amiss, remiss if I didn't uh mention that I think it has been really hard. And and again. I, I have an incredibly supportive partner and, and I still think that the way these things fall is they fall more on moms. That's just kind of, kind of mm-hmm. how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I, I, I don't know if I would call what I've done balance over the last bit. I think. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, okay. Previous to COVID. <laughs> uh, leaned, leaned on my village and, and I think that's it. Right. And and setting boundaries is a work in progress for me. It's I was gonna say standards, boundaries. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's it's for me, no matter where I go, that's gonna be the challenge. I, I care so much um, yeah. about the athletes. I care so much about giving them what they need and balancing the other mm-hmm. the other demands. Um I think the other thing that you you touched on was yeah being being a woman in my position it's not easy uh, I think one uh one of the really interesting things and and when I was thinking about what you know talking to you today and and I thought I I would bring up because one of my colleagues wrote um a kind of summary of a bunch of research on the challenges faced 
by female coaches. And I thought you might, you might appreciate this as a female coach. Bring it on. Um, and so here there, some of the obstacles that are listed are lack of coaching opportunities. Oh, women. do you have it on your wall? Uh, I, I have it on my other computer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you? Okay. Get it. <laughs> um, lack of coaching opportunities for women beyond the community level. So there's less mm. opportunity to advance. And I grew up in swimming. Yeah, I can tell you, like all my little kids coaches were women and then you hit this level and then they become men, right? Like mm. whether that's right or wrong, it's, it, it is true. We, we like to view female coaches as development coaches. That is the because nurture. Because we're good with kids. Exactly. And so this oh. is. So, <laughs> oh my God. Did you just hear that? Yeah. Did you, did you see that? Did you feel that? It's and, and we're, I think we're, we're down, we're, we're with the kids and then the men get to take the kids when they develop into teenagers. Yep. yep. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. It is so true. The whole list you did. There's a list. Let's see. It's one, two, three, four, five, keep six, going, seven, keep eight. going. Okay. So number two is women are relegated to working with younger athletes. Mm -hmm. So they have less opportunity to gain experience and high performance. Mm. Um, mm hmm. Yep. So that's same kind of thing. Women yep. are only permitted to coach other women. So there are fewer jobs compared to men who coach one or both genders. So uh, this was a thing that was really big in the States when they opened up title, um, was it title nine? When they, when they, when they went from saying uh, we, we need to give equal scholarship Opportunity. to women, right? Uh -huh. And yeah. so what happened is there was more money all of a sudden, and all of a sudden the men were interested in coaching the women because there was money there. Whereas prior <laughs> the women had only been coaching women. And 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 you do get it. There, there are there is the odd female who manages to coach men and who was put into this, but it's this really strange vision, right? Like when you see yeah. a female coach, and and again we're starting to see them through things like the NFL and the NHL and all of those, but it's a big news story. Haley mm -hmm. Wickenheiser is involved with the Toronto Maple Leafs, I believe, but it's like this huge news story that she's there, right? Whereas a male coach comes in and deals with the women. Yeah, that's that's how we do things. Men are in charge, right? So having, oh, that, double oh. <laughs> having that double track, and I can also tell you that I'm the first woman at Cycling Canada in ever my previous no actually i'm very lucky but in my previous role it was the first time that my title didn't have women's in it so oh for women so the women's road coach the women's mm. track coach you brought in the men their male equivalent they were the track coach they were the road coach you very rarely saw men's road coach men's track coach so that was the first time that that, that had ever happened i i think it was when i was the track endurance or sorry uh the next gen lead that was the mm -hmm. very first time that it wasn't i was the women's whatever so and that was in 2020 um and because and I think we, sorry go ahead no no go ahead uh, we're very lucky at Cycling Canada, and and I was actually ruminating on this a little bit this morning, that in 2012, uh, Tanya Dubnikoff was the women's coach for the team pursuit that won bronze um, and was a trailblazer for that. Uh, Denise Kelly was also a very strong female mm -hmm. coach. 
And one of the things that you're seeing is that we have this next generation of females who are interested in coaching. And right now we yeah. have a bunch of women here joining Caron, Evelyn Gagnon, and mm -hmm. uh, that are over at Caroline Canurel that are all over in Europe right now yeah. with the national team, just fantastic. But I think part of that is that visibility that we saw these, and again, myself included, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Denise, but we saw these mm -hmm. strong female coaches and went, oh, this is possible. And, and it's funny in 2020 to talk about this, this place where sexism isn't something that we worry about anymore. It's not the eighties, right? Yeah. But, but it almost makes it stranger because it's not talked about and we don't, but there, I, there are many things in my, in my profession that it puts me at this disadvantage when I walk in because I'm a woman. And that's, that's really interesting. Um, so uh, there's a higher surveillance and scrutiny of female coaches, uh, resulting in greater pressure to be successful. So mm. I, I'm, I'm held to a higher standard than, than my male equivalent, my male peers. Is that uh, good? Or is that I mean, bring on a lot of stress? I mean, you do want to be good, but like, is it overly like pressed upon, you know, like, well, and oh, I think because it's so people don't realize was... they're doing it right. Like, uh. so it, this place that I like, I'm a high achiever. I'm, I'm somebody that demands the best of myself day in, day out. As I said, my biggest problem is I have to set boundaries, right? Like if, if not, I, I run into this place, like, um, and I look back at, you know, like high achiever, in school as an as a kid as, as a university student like this is just like so I want to be the best that I but I don't want mm -hmm. to be the best for a woman for a female coach I don't want to be the best I don't want to be chosen because I'm a woman I want mm -hmm. to be chosen because I'm the best um and so having that drive is important but I also think it's like let's let's just make sure that we're 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 using the same scale let's make sure yeah. that we're actually asking the same of, of, of our people. And if somebody's better that they're rewarded for that. Mm -hmm. um, the next one is when women are in positions of leadership and demonstrate agency more in line with the traditional role of the coach, they are often viewed as less likable. So again, you see this, you see this in, in any place of high leadership. We see uh, it really often in politics. Mm -hmm. how, do we, how do we view female politicians? Well, if, if they say the same thing as their male counterparts, they're viewed as bossy. They're viewed as opinionated. They're viewed as, whereas the male, the male language around that is good leader, like strong. Um, and, and again, we're just, we're, we're normalized to this at such a young age, it's socialized so strongly that it's, it's, you don't even notice you're doing it, right? Um, mm. I, I have had people say, you know, like this, there's this, there's a thing and it's sexist, but no one, like they're not doing it on purpose. And you're like, yeah, that's great. That's cool. I'm happy for you. Um, the next one is based on only initial impressions. Athletes typically will perceive female coaches to be less competent than male coaches. Um, and, and I'll use it in, and my husband won't mind me using this. Chris and I walk into a room. No one will question what Chris says about cycling. <laughs> if I say something, most people, like people, I need to have a title. I need to have, I need to have reinforced expertise for people mm -hmm. to, to take you seriously. Um, and, 
And again, that's good. It pushes me to be better. It pushes me to know, make sure I know my facts. It pushes me to make sure mm. that I'm prepared and organized and all of those things that make me great at what I'm doing. But it is interesting that I'm already on that back foot when I walk mm -hmm. into space. Uh, and the final one is even when women coaches are successful at the highest level of their sport, they can met, be met with derogatory and detrimental backlash and struggle to gain or maintain employment at the highest levels of coaching. Mm -hmm. And and to me, it is like we're, we're in a great place in Canada in that we have myself and Laura, who are two of the only women when you show up at, uh, at a Nations Cup. Uh, there, there are other women, female coaches, but there's not many. Um, and one of the one of the most successful was Monica Greenwood, who was with the GB team, and they won the like with Laura Kenny and Katie Archibald won the Madison at the last Olympics, mm -hmm. and uh, at Commonwealth Games she tweeted that she was stepping back. Um, and it was really well written and it really resonated with me a, a lot of that, that part where you're like, okay, so, and, and I don't want to quote her on it because I don't yeah. everything. I just remember it, it touched me and it made me sad that, uh, there'll be one less female, um, track side. And, yeah. and, and I mean, you're talking 24 coaches for every, for every event and there, there may be maybe three of us last year I think there were four of us last year and two of those women have moved on so it's possible like, that will be two of maybe three or four so what do they move on to uh like as an example like do you know I don't know um what hmm. one of Alex Greenfield was working for Australia and she I believe is working for a road team now Oh, okay. So she's still um, in she's still the cycling, cycling world, but not um, track. But it's yeah, it's it it's it's interesting to see that. Um, I think I'm really happy that we have Tanya Dubnikov back as a national team coach. Uh, as of last year, she's a phenomenal resource in the sport. So many Olympic games as an athlete and as a coach and so much experience and see i think there's a lot of that 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 um you know having had a lot of that background because for me i'd be like you know i'd love to be a coach at a higher level and and be doing more for development but i look at my background as to what i've done as in like a cycling career say you yep. know i I managed and raced and coached as a master's, you know, who's going to say, well, that's great. You know, like I took one athlete to nationals. Um, and so I, I find that there's that stigmatism that stops a lot of us because we don't have like a, maybe we, we weren't like, we didn't reach pro level status as a cyclist. Like that's hard. First of mm -hmm. all, um, we started later in life. Um, you know, um, we just don't have that level of exposure to in the in the world. Like, so how could we possibly make it as like, yeah, as a high level coach? So I think that it's in itself stops a lot of us. Absolutely. Like me. 
interesting because I would also say that if you look across the field with many male coaches, that doesn't necessarily stop them from. I know. Yes, you're right. And and I think the biggest thing, and I, I would encourage any, any women that are, that are listening to this is that the biggest thing is we actually probably need to do a better job holistically of supporting each other mm-hmm. and each other up and yeah. uh the the next part of the report i can i'll, I'll share oh, there's you. more okay go <laughs> um it's how how we can improve those mm-hmm. the leadership and coaching opportunities and it's commit to achieving and maintaining a gender balanced board to ensure women's perspectives are included in decision making which is kind of what you said when we started this conversation <laughs> we need yeah. to have some different views i mean we're we're in a world of diversity right now uh-huh. and, and it's funny that like it's great it's so great i i talked at a a coaching conference um years ago now 3 or 4 years ago and I was talking to some younger women and they're like, ah, oh, I haven't had any, I haven't experienced any sexism in my workplace. And I was like, you know, that's so great. Um, I had a coworker once who said to me that she hadn't, she didn't realize how much there was until she saw how I was treated in my workplace. Um, she was an SNC coach and, and she's like, I hadn't really realized it until I watched how people treated you and what they said about you. And, and that was the part where it's, it's, it's interesting to me. Cycling is particularly bad. It's very male dominated. It's, um, very old boys club and not necessarily in Canada. I think we've done a good job in Canada. I, I, I really do commend the leadership at Cycling Canada for their, their, their ability and for a long time, right? Like we, yeah. we had no problem hiring the best people for the job for a long time in t- both Tanya and Denise being these, these amazing trailblazers in their mm-hmm. role. Uh, and I, and I very much will say that I would not be where I am with, without the two of them on a fairly mm-hmm. regular basis, even now. Um, but it is interesting. Uh, the next <laughs> one is to establish targets for appropriate plans for recruiting and advancing women as coaches, officials, and senior leaders, and to monitor that progress annually. And again, I think this is something that Cycling Canada is trying to do. I think that's uh-huh. great. Um, and I think we have some really great faces that are that are excited to be here. Uh, yeah. To use equitable equitable practices in the hiring process, such as forming a diverse hiring committee to recruit and fairly assess diverse candidates for open positions. Again, cycling is probably the least diverse sport I can think of. It's run by a bunch of old white dudes in Europe. It's pretty like- Oh, the UCI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they're trying, which is kind of the best, the best that you can give them. Um, and I mean, even from like a socioeconomic point of view it is a hard sport to get into so it's like it doesn't really bring out like kids playing soccer on bare feet right like that's not really where we're at yeah Uh, but it's it's interesting to know provide equitable pay as a matter of policy to demonstrate value for women's talents and contributions create session plans and individual development plans that prioritize and support the advancement of women to senior roles adopt policies that support staff that support staff to balance work with family life with particular consideration for barriers typically experienced by women check existing policies practices and culture for ge- 
gender bias and consult women to identify more inclusive approaches. Um, for me, this is a big one. Um, I was, because I was doing the cyclery when I had Camden, I took him all over the world with me. Uh, and, and it was different and it was, it, it, it was, I'm, I'm sure noticeable from some people, but it was an amazing experience for him. It was an amazing experience for me. I actually, it blows my mind now that I thought that was the easiest way to do things. The thought of traveling with a toddler now actually. <laughs> That's what me. I did with my son. Oh my, yeah. well, I didn't travel the world, but we went to plenty of races, low, totally. like, you know, in Quebec and he was in the stroller and I was taking care of, and I was taking care of the girls. And it was just like, it's just like one of those things, you know, yeah. he's just there, and, you know, and we could do it. Breastfeeding. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And, and I mean, when I was working for the OCA at one point and I was breastfeeding Elodie on the infield and I had a couple of middle-aged dudes and they were like, I'm just like, they didn't say anything. Cause I think they were just like, I can't, I don't even like, <laughs> don't um, question me. I'm busy. Yeah. And, and I mean, to me, I I'm, I'm beyond those years, right? I don't want to travel mm. with my kids anymore. Are you kidding me? It's like, I, I get to go away and sleep in a hotel room and sleep all night and be focused on what I need to be focused on. But when my kids were under two, they were what mm. I was focused on, whether they were in the room or not. And so yeah. for me, having that ability to bring my kids somewhere, that's what allowed me to be successful. And I, mm -hmm. I think a short period of time for most women that you're like, oh, yeah, I need them here that they're eating from my body. Like mm -hmm. I'm like, my brain is with them. And, and I think there's a little bit of, there was a little bit of pushback from, to me um, that, well, we, we don't want you to be distracted. And I'm like, let's be clear. I will be distracted. If my child is not here. If my child is here, I at least know they're okay. Whereas now, yeah. Yeah, you know what? I don't want to travel with a six and eight eight-year-old and I'm sure by the time they're like 14 they'd be like okay cool do you want to meet me after the event and we can go do our thing it's <laughs> such a short window that mm -hmm. moms want to have their babies with them oh for sure so and even when they get older like you know I found that uh and it was always a question as a parent or a mom like when is when are the most important years like they're when they're younger and I find like five to eight, you know, like they're kind of doing their own thing. They're in daycare and stuff and they're finding themselves. But then it's after like, you know, this time when they start getting older and into their own things and do need you again there. And I think that a lot of parents just like, oh, yeah, they're older. They're doing their own thing. They don't need me. They, they can take care of themselves. And I think that is the worst. That's the, the worst thing to think. But it's also the time when they need us the most. I'm finding like with my kids turning like 10 and a, and 12, yeah, you know, yeah. like the, the family time is even more important because that's when they can just like split away from you. Yeah. And, and they're yeah. grounding themselves. Right. So mm -hmm. it's, I, I think that to me is, is so important. And it's, it's like that part where you're like, I have these values. And if you, if you infringe on this box, yeah sit then I get really cranky and that is <laughs> good it's my family and and sometimes I have to take a little step back and be like why why am I so angry right now like oh because this box has been threatened and when oh. this box has been threatened 
my mama bear comes out and I am, I, I am unreasonable because you're asking me to do something I don't, I'm not comfortable with. And so what is, what is the one, what is the one big thing that you said no to that they're like, yeah, you have to go. And you're like, mm, no. Um, I, I, I actually think I have a respect. Like I, I have a good enough relationship with mm-hmm. my superiors. So they understand they're, they do, they, they understand and they support me. And, um, I, uh, my, my son had some medical challenges this summer and I wasn't able to travel as much as I was, I was mm-hmm. supposed to. And so I just said, Nope, this is, I, I can't. And there wasn't no, no one, at least not to my face, <laughs> gave me any, uh, any <laughs> that Jenny true. Oh my God. I cannot believe um, I mean, so he, he had, he had a surgery and was in the hospital and I left for the Commonwealth games two days later. Uh, and I had to make that decision as to whether I was going to do it or not. And yeah. at the time I know, I know there's people that judge me for doing it. Mm-hmm. There's definitely that like in the mom community, and this is where it comes back to, we just need to support each other a little bit more, uh, yeah. in the community. Oh, you left your kid two days after he had, um, a major surgery. He was okay. If he hadn't been okay, I wouldn't have gone. Right. Um, but if I hadn't have gone, I would have been judged pretty harshly too. Right. So mm-hmm. part of it was for me to walk away and say, you know what, listen, there's there's the people that are going to judge me for this. There's the people that are going to judge me for this. So I have to make the decision that is best for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't a good decision. Like it wasn't an easy, it wasn't an easy trip for me by any stretch, but yeah it was okay and and again I have a really support support supportive partner who Mm -hmm. who held down the fort and took care of Camden while he was recovering and and all's well that ends well but I I had initially been supposed to be home for three days and then fly for to Lima for another 10 days and I did not do that (laughs) so um yeah. I, I I do think that I have good communication with my superiors. I think they understand me pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm fairly open with what I'm willing to do versus what I'm not willing to do. And, and that's very respected. So I, I think that's a key component really is being able to voice what you truly don't want to do and what yeah. you you're feeling comfortable to doing. Cause a lot of women just don't do that. They just continue being married to their work. And then I was having a conversation with uh, one of the ladies I'm coaching and she was just talking about that because she was talking about how her husband, her husband, her son is 26 and, Mm -hmm. you know, like the, you know, those teenage years, she was like just a workaholic. She's like married to her work and she's like, you know, I, I shouldn't have done that. Cause like, you know, where do you, you know, she's, I put off this promotion until he was older and now I'm like working even harder, you know, and it's just like, and it's like, it's not worth it because, you know, where's it going to get me? Like, nobody cares, you know, and, and I'm just it, working. Right? <laughs> Is that you know? at the end of the day, like you're, you're doing it for how you, well, you're doing it for your own reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think for me, I always say the money's not that great. If it's, if it's compromising your sanity, your family, your health, like. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, like most, most athletes will go on and I'm that, like, I'm like a dot in that, 
and hopefully a part of and that. And there are travels, yeah. And but clear. not not like a not like a major role. Whereas, man, I better be a major role in my two kids. You know, like that's they are what's important. Um, mm-hmm. And and so it is really trying to get that balance and. And I missed Elodie's fifth birthday last year. Um, and I heard about it for a full year. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's those pieces that mm-hmm. you're like, okay, um, both my kids hold a grudge. So I need to remember that when I'm making my decisions. Um, <laughs> but it's it, every, every step of the way is interesting and and it brings a different level. I remember talking to somebody who said, yeah, like the six, seven, eight years are actually the hardest to travel because they're aware of the time that you're away. Whereas uh, I used to call yeah. them and be like, I'm going away tomorrow. And then I'd be fine. Right. Cause they, yeah. But, but again, we have a village and, and so it, it does help. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never easy. I mean, solo parenting is never easy. Um, so, so Chris takes on a lion's share in doing that, but yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it's about figuring out and I'm not there yet, but figuring out what that, what that allows me to come down and, and do better. Um, and, and I think for me, one of the things I'm really working on is turning off when I'm not at work. So taking my email off my phone so that my email is done. I like, to me, so much of so much of coaching is those is those interactions and those relationships. And you can't really put that on a nine to five, right? You can't say, no. I'm not really going to talk to you outside of these hours. But what I can do is say, I'm not going to respond to emails because the other thing is I'm fairly confident that nothing good ever comes at you from email. You don't ever get like <laughs> lovely. People aren't like, you know what? I really appreciate this person. Hey, you. Thanks for being awesome. Signed, whatever. Like those, you get those through texts. You get those through phone calls. Yeah, yeah. You're like, if you really need me, text me. Yeah. But not between four and eight. Yeah. (laughs) And this is my family time. Yeah. And and trying to like, and and I think I always have this theory that I'm like, okay, if it's scheduling or you need it answered within like like four to seven days, email me. Anything schedule related, email me. Anything. Those questions. I'm training tonight. What should I? <laughs> yeah, like... exactly. Oh, I have uh, exams these days. I'm like, cool. <laughs> don't text me that. Send it to me in an email, and then I'll put it in or put it in your training piece. Anyways, and then but email <laughs> or text if you want it like the next two to four hours. That's how you need to get a hold of me. Text yeah. me. That's fine. If you need to get a hold of me right here, right now, give me a phone call. I will almost always pick up my phone, or if I can't, I will call you back when I can. Mm-hmm. but just trying to like but trying to normalize that for me too that mm-hmm. I don't have to answer everything right away that yeah to maintain my sanity and my person for me to be the best version of me I also need to have those boundaries and oh for sure and they they need to know that and respect it too because yeah. they're going to have their own set of boundaries that they're going to have to set yeah as athletes as you know, people in their lives. (laughs) It's important. Feel for this generation. Like it must be so difficult. Like I can't imagine having to set the boundaries that they've had to learn to set or haven't learned um, as teenagers with phones, right? Like to me, it's funny. Like we're looking at going away to an all-inclusive and I'm like, 
And it's like Wi-Fi available Ooh. throughout the resort. And I'm like, no, that's no. not a bonus for me, actually. I, I would like someone to take my phone when I walk in and I have absolutely zero connection to the outside world. I love it turning on the out of office. That is yeah. like, that is so like, oh, I'm out of office. You know, yeah. like your emails, like don't, I'm not here for like 10 days or whatever. I'm yeah. like, this is, yeah, don't expect that to me is like the best part about going away but then it's like it still takes me like three days to decompress enough to not be like i wonder what's coming in or like, <laughs> the brain is still over here so um sorry there there are actually two more little points oh my gosh okay go know, right? <laughs> uh provide equitable training and development opportunities for coaches and officials such as women-centered training sessions and apprentice programs along with oh. support to develop competition experience um that would again, be good yeah for me the apprentice stuff through the women in coaching from uh the coaching association of canada was huge it, it was really 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 great. can you still ac access that like yeah. is that still a thing every is year through or every canada games year there so what it is is you apply through the through the province like the sport PSO Y. Okay. Um, and so I did it through the Ontario Cycling Association. They nominated it up to at the time it was the Ontario Coaching Association, I believe. Mm -hmm. Association of Coaches. I don't know. Um, and then I was I was chosen with one other woman to represent Ontario. So it's it it's across, mm. but it does make a really big difference. I, oh I, yeah. At um, that level for sure. Yeah, huge. And then create and support mentoring programs for girls and women to advance in all leadership mm -hmm. roles. And I I have had less formalized mentorship, but the informal mentors in my life are are second to none. I I'm very lucky to have the people that I can lean on um, and who have been through it and can both express sympathy and empathy for what for what I'm doing. But also yeah. help help kind of look through that and say, all right, you know, like, yep, you can feel a little sorry for yourself. You can look at the challenges, but <laughs> forward, how do we solve this? And it's mm -hmm. my hope that in what I'm doing, it makes it easier for the women that come after me. Uh, and and that is that is a big thing for me. Um, I've had a few athletes that I've worked with over the years contact me and say, Hey, I got into coaching because of you. And that's pretty much the highest level of compliment that I, that I can think mm -hmm. of. It means, it means a lot to, to me to have those and, and really does kind of lift up the day. Um, and it, it's such a rewarding profession and it's, it's such a wonderful thing to get to do um to be able to live your passion that for me it is about trying to help people be there realize their best selves through a sport um yeah. and and you get to do a little less of that at the elite level um it's not i it's it's not the same but yeah. there are different rewards there and yeah and i think from my experience as an athlete women bring a different different tone to it and that doesn't that doesn't necessarily work for everyone but I think that all female athletes and, and probably many male athletes 
should have that opportunity. There should be that ability for them to be able to work with a female coach. And, and I mean, I think the other interesting thing is when you're looking in the world of safe sport that we live in now, that a lot of the male dominated sports situations that are, um, that are rife with abuse, especially at the younger levels, they have found that having female coaches and female staff reduces that, that level of. Well, that's, um, and that's where I've been approached a couple of times. Like I've worked with um, FQSC once where I was hired as a female coach to go to a cycling camp to, I don't say necessarily take care of the junior girls. There's like four of them and Mm -hmm. the rest were all boys. Um, And just to be a female presence and like, you know, that's great. But I think, you know, I'm more than just a female presence where I'm trying to cycle and keep up with these kids on a bike ride. Yeah. But, but, you know, um, and even like that was many years ago, I did that. And there's always these clubs and teams who are looking for females, like to be that support system for young female riders. And even the OBC is, is one of them. And I'm going to be talking to them yeah, about next year to, cause they're, they're looking for some, and I'm like, this is something that I've been kind of looking for to yeah. be able to put you know, my experience, even though I, like I, I talked about before, like, I don't have all the grandiose, like the big high level stuff, but that doesn't matter to me because for me, again, you know, we'll go back to the development because for me, that's where it all starts. If yep. You don't have good skills and technique and, and all that, like you could be the best cyclist, but if you're really dumb on the road, you like, <laughs> no, you know, like you need all of that. And that's yep. what I'm like so big on. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I've been trying to figure out where I fit Mm -hmm. in like my give back to community. Like I, you know, like, I mean, fine volunteering, but you know, really like I want a paid position. Like I want to be in a position of authority where I can actually be like you provide those stepping stones to get girls to your level, like from me to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why I was asking, like, you know, from the ground level, like, how do you find them? How do you um, bring them up the steps? And I'm excited to to hear that you have steps because yeah. it's just like, what are the steps? And yeah. that that somebody like me at the recreational level knows and can follow to get athletes to you. Yeah. And um so yeah, so it's it's um it's exciting watching you like I said because uh just finding uh my place because I know that I have a place somewhere, but I just absolutely haven't found it. You know, yeah. at the masters level like masters are masters, we fund all the, you know, because of our <laughs> you know paying into memberships of clubs, right? Yep. And yeah. um but honestly, um you know, there's only so many of us who maybe want to compete, but so let's talk about, yeah. So. No, I, and, and I think it is really valuable. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do think there is a lot to be said of like, you can't be it if you can't see it. Yeah. And, and so, 
yeah, I, I think having just a different viewpoint for, for those mm-hmm. athletes as they're growing and, and especially at the development levels that it's not, it's not just learning how to ride a bike. It's learning all those life skills. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think you can have such an impact on, on young athletes and it's, and I love this. Yeah. And, and I think the Ottawa Valley is such a hot spot of cycling. It's, it's pretty exciting to me that to, to have those, those resources and those, that there are places for someone like yourself to really make an impact. And, and I do think it goes back to, we do need more professionalized opportunities for, for coaches in cycling. Mm -hmm. Um, you look at like, if you put your kid in swimming, you're paying for them to have paid coaching from when they're six years old, but people be cheap. No, no. And the first time you're like, Oh, I want to put my kid in cycling. And they're like, yeah, it's X. Yeah. You're like, what? I know. Seriously. Like football. Well, actually football is cheap because it's (laughs) subsidized by football team. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. So it's super affordable. But the thing is that like at my son's age at 11, um, there's only so many spots. So you got 30 kids, 40 kids trying out for, you know, 28 positions. What happens to the last 12 that get cut, right? There is nothing in football to, for them to fall back on, which is really poor. At 11? Yeah. Poor, poor man, like poor thought process, right? Because you got a bunch of kids who are twelve who are keen on football, but they yeah. didn't make the cut for the the single team. Yeah. Um. So, so where they, do they go? They go back yeah. to the coach. They go back where they they they're invited to practice. But if you're not gonna, you know, so it was kind of sad to see that. I mean, my son made it, but you know, like, yeah. So there's no, there's no like other team to, for them. They can practice if they, they can still choose to practice, but they don't want play. So I don't know, I guess you gotta decide, you gotta decide if you're going to come to, you know, and continue practicing and hope you would get better for next year. Yeah. Fascinating, I don't know. Actually. Yeah. Crazy. eh? Yep. Very, very interesting. So anyways, but yeah, yeah but everything else is expensive. <laughs> yeah, that's uh that was the other thing i was like we we saved money in covid because we didn't pay for anything because we didn't do anything yeah but then <laughs> yeah. you spent it on your backyard right yeah yeah that's sort of <laughs> that's about right yeah and on amazon yeah. but so well so just share with us a teeny bit of what's going on for the next couple months because i know you said you're going off to worlds and yeah. um and if you can share anything that's coming down the pipe before we uh we close up because i think that's exciting yeah so uh last year was the first time i went to the world championships and it was a pretty great championships um the endurance group had two fourth place finishes which is pretty amazing when Mm -hmm. you hear that that's in the world so we get to start a lot more events this year uh we traveled to paris on the 5th of October. So it's coming at us pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
it's as I said, it's the Olympic Velodrome, which is it's pretty nice. We get a little bit of off season on the back end of that, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and straight into doing some training and getting getting all the plans finalized through till Paris in 2024. So it's. Yeah, it it happens slow but fast, right? Like it's that that part where you're like, "Huh. It's September 2022. How did that happen? Where am I?" So, didn't they it because because of the pandemic, they did Olympics one year later. That's why it's closer, right? Cuz it's yeah. only 3 years instead of like 4. Yeah. So that's interesting in its own right for sure. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of athletes retire after that. I, I do think one of the things that we're seeing is that there was a lot of stress on the athletes during that period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, just a lot of, I think, mental, emotional, like, what am I doing? How do I do this? That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're kind of coming through the other side of it now, uh, which has some retiring, has some really motivated, but it kind of internationally, you're seeing quite a few people have burnt out in the last 12 months uh and, yeah. and I think that's necessarily a bad thing um it's just interesting um yeah and, and there's so- a lot of waiting time too and I think mm-hmm. in yep. that right gave them a lot of time to think about <laughs> yeah no, what totally. they want to do for their totally their and lives. like and to hold that kind of intensity the, mm-hmm. uh, the intensity that is required in the final year uh of mm-hmm. a quad in the last six months before the olympics um and to do that for 18 months is is very hard on a lot of people um it's a it, my, my sister came and visited this summer and we were chatting and she's like you know your life's weird right like it's <laughs> normal like the things you're saying are not normal and i was like okay sounds good um <laughs> all right bye-bye <laughs> like and, and she means it in like a really positive yeah way. i know <laughs> but yeah the sisterly way Mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly exactly so (laughs) um but i but i think it it was very difficult on everyone yeah to to have that level of intensity held and unknown so Mm -hmm. you have unknowns this intensity this 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 threat like i i mean covid now we're like oh okay we've we're all vaccinated like the, the, the the landscape has changed but it was a very real threat for for a while right like Mm -hmm. so i just think there was so so much so many emotions so much stress yeah that that people are coming out the back end of it now and it's a little bit more relaxed Mm -hmm. but i mean yeah i I actually got my fourth booster on monday and (laughs) it was a win for me because i just felt like i had the flu and aches and pains all day yesterday but I never actually was bedridden and I never had a headache so oh, that's getting good. better all the others have actually <laughs> had me in bed for like 24 hours so um but, getting used but, to it now <laughs> yeah exactly um but it's it, it's like it's this place where it's like okay well we just we need to make it the next three weeks four weeks without you guys getting sick so well, that has nothing to do with COVID. That's just no. like being tired and well, your immune system low, which is going to allow you to pick up whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it's, it's all of it. Right. Like, and, and mm-hmm. we have had more challenges with athletes getting ill at competition right. over the last six months. And, yeah. and so this is something that we just have to deal with a little bit now. Um, yeah. It's not as scary. So I think that's the other side. Like it's yeah. like emotions have come down. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. That's super cool. Well, anyways, it's, I hope as a listener that you've enjoyed this episode, uh, our chat with Jenny. Um, I mean, I know we're going to continue after when we're done here because I have questions, but, <laughs> but it's always like, like I said, I love chatting with you because we have the best conversations. And because um, if you go back to the first one, I told that I admired her from a distance as a cycling coach when I'd see her with her kids on the sidelines coaching. I'm like, totally been there. Um, but just watching her rise to where she is today. And um, and I'm really, really happy to have had you back. And I'd love to have you back in a year because I know there's just going to be so many amazing things going on next year. Um, kids getting older, you advancing, the everything. Um, so I really appreciate you being where you are as a female coach you are um making strides for all of us which is good um and you're on our side which is canadian and on well i'm not in ontario but i'm close enough to ontario so i'm gonna say i'm you pretty much yeah i, I, I lived it, i lived in gatineau as well so. yeah, that's right <laughs> oh yeah maybe you can help me maneuver through that <laughs> um and uh yeah so i hope as a listener you've enjoyed that and um we just uh, thank Jenny for, for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. And yeah, let's, let's keep building that community and, and build each other up because I mm -hmm. think that is, that is the superpower is it is come together. And so thank you for, for the chat as well. I very much enjoyed it. Thanks. And don't forget to follow her. You can follow her on Instagram. We'll put it in the show notes. And I, you, are you on Twitter as well? Is that uh, I am. You yeah. do some tweeting there about because I find that that's where all the athletes are actually mm -hmm. is on Twitter. Um, so if you want to, you know, follow anyone, it's usually through tweet. Uh, yeah, through Twitter, I've noticed. So that's yeah. a good place to to find her as well. So thanks a lot and have an amazing day, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks. Hey friends, thank you for enjoying this podcast episode. I'd love to invite you to visit our new and exciting page on buymeacoffee.com backslash secret saddle pod to check out some cool downloadables. And if you are so inclined to supporting the podcast with the purchase of a coffee would be greatly appreciated in helping keep the podcast going. Also, Providing a separate rating and review on your favorite platform with any thoughts about the podcast are hugely helpful and appreciated. Thank you so much and have yourself an amazing day. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast. Learning more about sighting people, places and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, 
have an amazing day, make sure you ride your bike, and don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.